Warning! This podcast is different from other podcasts. These episodes contain dangerous choices, perilous tangents, and unwavering silliness. The choices made on this podcast may lead to success or disaster. But remember, you are responsible because you choose to listen. Good luck. Dennis is like complaining that you bit a bunch of diamonds and fucked your teeth up. You're like, I eat carbon all the time. Yeah, everything's carbon. I'm made of carbon. <laughs> Why is it so bad for my teeth? My carbon teeth. Carbon teeth. <laughs> Let me guess. Next, you're going to complain about me eating people that are also just made of carbon. Hmm. So we have some questions to ask you about a diver we found. <laughs> <laughs> we have some questions to ask you about a large puddle with diver-related effluvia in it that we found. The way they talk about psychology on that show for a show full of psychologists is very amusing. And Hannibal? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like all the most uh, discredited pop psychology stuff is said with such a straight face by everyone on the show all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's the hardest thing about that show for me to believe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely not the it's like every single week some new psychopath has popped up. So many murders. So many murders, and they're all done by, like, the preeminent visual artists of yeah. their generation. Like, <laughs> if, if, if Banksy was in that world, he would blow his fucking brains out. Because he'd be like, well, I, Jesus Christ, I'm a child yeah. aping yeah. at art. There's nothing left to say. The fungus in those people was alive, just like the people were. I guess art means nothing. <clears throat> uh, I want to warn you gentlemen up front that I have been drinking vodka for about an hour now. <laughs> oh, boy. Mm-hmm. I'm lucid. Ready to go. Just let me know if I'm being too loud, because I think that's a thing that happens sometimes. Just keep putting your microphone in your mouth like that. I'm sure it'll be fine. Welcome to Booze Your Own Adventure, a podcast where three grown-ups try and beat a children's game. I'm Ian. I'm just too far from the mic. I'm Mark. That's our friend, and uh, that's Chris on the other. The other one was Chris. And today, we're going to read Choose Your Own Adventure number 21, Hyperspace, by series co-founder... Uh, Mr. Edward Packard. Warning. Hyperspace is a choose-your-own-adventure book. Fuck. Do not read it straight through from beginning to end. Instead, start at page one and read until you come to your first choice. The adventures you have will be the result of your decisions you make. After you make your choice, follow the instructions to see what happens to you next. Okay, all right. A special note to the reader. That's you. Yeah. Hyperspace is different from other choose-your-own-adventure books. Fuck. Your, your journey will not take you just to the stars or other galaxies, but to other universes and other realities. If, uh, if we read this and we get sucked into the computer, like freakazoid, I want this to stand as a last Testament to the fact that, uh, I, I enjoyed hanging out with my friends and I'm glad I went out drunk. Are you kidding me? If we got sucked into the, like a hyperspace universe, like freakazoid, that would be super dope. I wouldn't last two seconds. You guys are fucking computer programmers. You understand all the subjectivities inside of uh, Neuromancer. I'm still trying to figure out, like, why they don't have space armor. Was anyone in space? Yeah, inside of the... It's it's cyberspace, so why don't they have, like, powered suits? Cyberspace armor. 
What are you talking about? What space? They do go to a space station at the end, but I think what he's saying is that cyberspace has the word space in it. Mm-hmm. So why don't you need to protect yourself from cyberspace? Thank you. I just like, a similar I've suit. never had anyone watch the Matrix and come away like, I don't know why they didn't just dress like space marines when they entered the Matrix. It's like, because they... You think everyone was wearing condoms in that orgy scene? <laughs> okay, but that's the real world, right? In the fiction of that universe, that's the real world. Yeah, they absolutely need to be wearing condoms. Here's that Neo is like, I need to see guns. And if instead he was like, I need powered space marine armor, like he would have <laughs> been way, way quicker. <laughs> I would watch that Matrix remake. <laughs> it would be cool. It's just like the Doom, those new Doom games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even the laws of science may change before your eyes. See, I don't even know what the laws of science are now, y'all. I can't live in this Yeah, world. that does nothing for me. Gravity works as an inverse square law. Uh, absolute zero is two, 273 degrees. Mark, you're really making yourself the guy with the pickup truck in this new hyperspace universe. We're all going to be coming to you for the answers. Popeyes is the, uh, the best fast food fried chicken. Uh, hmm. Don't go, don't mess with anything that's not the spicy thighs. Hmm. Hmm. You heard it first. Chris loves spicy thighs. What seems to be real may only be a story, and what seems to be a story may be real. I picked the wrong book to read when I was getting a little drunk. In hyperspace, anything can happen. Hell yeah. Any, anything. Good wishes and good luck, and then a signature of Edward Packard. He's got a nice sig. He writes his name very legibly. Yeah. yeah. Holy fuck. Gentlemen, there's a third warning. Holy God. Special warning. Four exclamation points. Many scientists think that they have some idea of the size of the universe, how long ago it came into existence, and when it might end. But no one can say whether ours is the only universe, or whether there is an infinite number of universes. If there is an infinite number, then some of them may be very much like our own. Do you think they're countably infinite? Mm, isn't, doesn't that go against the idea of infinity? Sure doesn't, no. but I'm going to gloss right over this joke. <laughs> it's not going to amuse anyone. Is it, a com- is it a computer joke, Mark? That's yeah, more of a math joke. No, it's just a numbers joke. It's a math joke? Numbers joke? Okay. And it doesn't have, like, a thing I can understand? I mean, if you want me to take 20 minutes to explain it to you, I'd get a real kick out of that. But I don't think it's going to be good podcasting material. No. Okay. All right. Professor Carl Zinka has devoted his life to finding out whether other universes exist outside of our own time and space. You are about to be drawn into his quest. To do so, you will have to enter hyperspace. Lowercase h. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's like a commonplace uh, noun, yeah. Uppercase H, but just because it's a paragraph, yeah. <laughs> right. Hyperspace is so strange that it almost cannot be described in words. Luckily, Edward Packard is up to the task. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of pages in this book for it not to be described in words. Some people believe that hyperspace is four-dimensional space. Like our space? I don't know, It's because time is a dimension? Sure is. Certainly, the laws of science may be different there. This makes it possible to travel to another universe in an instant, instead of the many hundreds of years it would take to get there by traveling through the third dimension. Uh? Yeah. Uh, up. <laughs> which is, Especially if the location is like three feet to your left, in which case you'll never get there traveling through the third dimension. Yeah. What is it like to be in hyperspace? There are many possibilities, more than we can imagine. To get one idea of what it might be like, imagine that you are an ant. Is everybody cool with that? We're an ant. This is horrifying. And that you have spent your entire life inside a large balloon. I have no sense of individuality. I can't see anything. The inside of that balloon is your entire universe. Suddenly, the balloon bursts. I'm being ripped to pieces by my, what I thought were my brothers and sisters to make way for a tunnel. At that moment, you've entered hyperspace. An ant hell. 
Are you ready to begin your adventure? I hope so, because it's about to begin. Oh, no choice. Oh God, I'm prisoner of the ants, people. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since Professor Carl Zinka moved into your neighborhood, you've been wanting to meet him. You've seen him a few times, out for a stroll, puffing on his white clay pipe. A strange-looking little man with a few stringy hairs on his head and a gray beard cut in the shape of a triangle. Also, his face is melting. <laughs> yeah, he does look real doughy. Too much time in hyperspace. And it's weird. We're looking at him directly on and, like, what's with his feet? <laughs> yeah, perspective's real bad. Or he has two lamps for toes. <laughs> also, uh, look at his right arm, I guess. The elbow is about 75% down the arm. Yeah. yeah, this is definitely not a realistic style of... Uh, you guys, we're going we're gonna to find out he's like some sort of alien creature, and yeah. that's why he fits so poorly in the lab <laughs> He's case. a hyperspace, for sure. <laughs> he's definitely a hyperspace. People say he's a mathematical genius. You wonder what he does all day. Like, probably math. math. Yeah. yeah, right. One afternoon, you have a chance to find out, for you happen to be passing his house as he is returning from his walk. Come in! I'm glad to meet you, he says when you introduce yourself. Shaking hands, you say, I'm glad to meet you too, Professor. I've been curious about your work. Very nervous. Very nervous. The professor smiles. My work is not easy to describe. Only a few people can understand it. But wait, I'll be right back. I'm going to explain what countable infinity means to that charming podcast man. His friends have, have left him and forsaken his mathematical quests. I was imagining he was going to come back because he said like, oh, it's, it takes a, only people can understand it. And he goes and he comes back with, like, you know, that USB drive that he just, like, plugs into your head with a syringe. Right. I can't, I can't use words. I have to use medicinal USB. You have 600 megabytes of data in your brain now. I need you to get across town. <laughs> oh, it's uh, Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah. The professor hurries into another room, almost tripping over his calico cat. A moment later, he reappears with a book. That's supposed to be a calico cat in the bottom right? Oh, it looked like dirty laundry. Yeah, Holy looked... fuck, it looked, I thought it was a cactus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is a twinkle in his eye as he hands it to you. Even if you don't understand higher mathematics, I think you'll find this interesting. Would you like to borrow it? I can see the hustler that you've put in between the pages just like peeking out of the top there, Professor. I, I, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm making new friends. No, I'm, I'm fine. I... I'm done with this one. The cover of the book says hyperspace. Do you take hyperspace or do you sit and talk to the professor some more? Well, we've already got hyperspace. Yeah, let's talk to this weird bitch. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it'd be weird to just be like, I'm glad to meet you. Here's a book. Goodbye. Alternately, I think if a child was annoying you, it'd be perfect if you like, he was like, hi, tell me things. And you were like, OK, yeah, uh, here's a book later. <laughs> Ask me questions when you're done. Yeah, read the fucking manual. Uh, I'm thinking six. Let's talk to this uh, professor, right? Because we want to get into hyperspace ASAP, but I don't think reading is going to help. I'm just Good worried point. that they're going to do the meta level thing where like he hands you hyperspace and it's hyperspace by Edward Packard. And you're like, the end. Isn't that a funny meta loop? <laughs> that would be pretty yeah. funny. Good point. Thanks for lending me the book, you tell the professor. But could you just tell me a bit more about what you do? The professor smiles. I'll show you my laboratory, but don't expect to understand much. You're like, why a mathematician would need a laboratory? As opposed That's to a, a whiteboard? Mm-hmm. And some dry erase markers? Maybe a protractor? Uh, yeah. Probably a yardstick to draw, like, big graphs. The professor opens another door, and you follow him into a small room with perfectly round walls. That's weird. In the center of the room, resting on a pedestal, is a stainless steel globe about the size of a basketball. All right. 
So shit just got super weird. <laughs> He's a Frankenstein. He's a Frankenstein <laughs> hyperspace. It's definitely a Frankenstein. Oh, do you want to be part of my hyperspace? I come from a planet of all Frankensteins. You're all yeah. super weird and smooth to me. <laughs> uh, just below this stainless steel globe about the size of a basketball is a panel on which are mounted a red lever and a green lever. What's that, you ask, pointing to the globe? The hypolaser. It's a device capable of focusing light photons into a geometric point. That's a magnifying glass. Mm -hmm. I'm not an idiot. Professor Zinka stares at you intently. <laughs> Do you know how small a geometric point is? Like the point where two sides of a triangle meet? Very small, I guess. Not just very small, says the professor. His eyes shine with excitement as he describes how small things are to you. <laughs> Infinitely small. Think about this. If you could focus a light on an infinitely small point, its brightness at that point would be infinite. Countably infinite? I don't know. I, I did not explain it to the man. What would happen then? You would penetrate hyperspace. But you're a hyperspace. I didn't read that book yet. <laughs> you decry. <laughs> you might puncture a hole in the skin that separates us from another universe. Did I have to call it skin? Yeah, gross. That's not very mathematical. We're going to penetrate a skin? I don't yeah, like that's this. a scientific term, I believe, right? Just punch, just jam a hole straight in that skin. Punch it right through. Same membrane. It's more sciencey. Ugh, true. And, and gross. <laughs> Is it? Gross? Membrane? Membrane? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm thinking about cooking, right? Like, anything that's got a membrane on it, you got to pull the membrane off mm. it. Oh, you <laughs> let that queso sit for 10 minutes, and now it's got a little solid piece on top. Mm, nom, oh, nom, that's nom, a good nom, point. Nom. Queso and chocolate pudding do have good membranes. <laughs> good membranes. Mm -hmm. um, oh, you know what I saw at the store the other day? Is uh, a tortilla shape that's actually just cheddar cheese. It's like an eight inch flat cheddar cheese piece that they sell you as like a keto approved low carb tortilla substitute. So you're supposed to wrap it around ground beef? Yeah, like you stuff it full of like burrito fixins, and it is, but it is cheese. That sounds uh, like a strict improvement. <laughs> it, it sounds like a KFC invention. Hell yeah. Uh, then what? The professor shakes his head. I don't know. <laughs> but the hypolaser is designed to answer that question. It's been ready for over a month, but I haven't had the courage to activate it because I could not live with myself if... All of life was ended. But now that there's a child in the room. <laughs> you could do it, and it would alleviate my guilt. <laughs> my guilt. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I, I can't be entirely sure what will happen. My whole life's work has been devoted to this. It would be unthinkable to turn back now. Still, I must confess, I feel as if I am about to jump off a cliff. With everybody else. <laughs> right. Just like tied to you past present and future literally everything that's ever been could just flush down this point into nothingness it's like when they were going to turn on the large hadron collider for the first time you know and a bunch of scientists got together and said like we're pretty sure that this isn't going to suck the earth into a black hole <laughs> but wait what does it do oh it makes little black holes oh, okay huh um no it's okay look we have seen into the future and we know 2020 is coming so i honestly <laughs> i feel like just let us suck the earth into a black hole Okay, so our choices, which are pretty good choices. Do we urge Professor Zinka to activate the hypo laser? Like to push him off the cliff. Or do we adv advise him not to risk it? Uh, we're turning on the hypo laser, right? Yeah, yeah. The fuck off with that weak bullshit. Yeah, hypo laser time. 
Science must go on, professor, you say. The professor gravely lays a hand on your shoulder of someone he just met like five minutes ago and who's definitely a child. He's doing it gravely, not seductively, not weirdly, gravely. But he knows he's going to kill all of us because he's doing it gravely. (laughs) Right, right. You have courage, and you have given me courage. I must act before I change my mind. He takes a shot. My mind? (laughs) My mind? He's not... Okay. He's not really Borat. We're just making him Borat. You're doing fine. Thank you. My hope is that he sounds like a grown-up Dexter's lab. The The professor pushes down on the red lever. You feel an electric charge in the air. The professor's face freezes in the beginning of a smile. You can't move a muscle. So far, so good. (laughs) A loud, pulsating hum is coming from the steel globe. It rises in pitch until your ears are assailed by an electronic cord of incredible magnitude. So far, worse. (laughs) Yeah, it's not great. The dragons are going to come now. (laughs) An instant later, you black out. Slowly, you come to. And then you wake up. No. No, that doesn't make sense. I liked it. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, Chris. You look dazedly around the room. Like you, the professor is lying on the floor. He's unconscious, but still breathing. Both of you must have been knocked out. Now that the danger is past, what? No, what? You regret not actually reaching hyperspace. Bullshit. We're in hyperspace. This is going to be like that first episode of Sliders where we think the thing didn't work, and then we notice that, like, people are going on red lights and stopping on green, and then you realize, oh, shit, it is slider dimension. What's wild is that I haven't seen sliders in like 10 years and uh-huh. I was like first episode. Oh, that's the one where like they're like, "Oh yeah, everyone's going on red lights." And like that was the alternate universe. <laughs> What's wrong, asshole? The lights red. Where did you come from? The voice behind you sounds strangely like your own. Ah, oh, fuck. Turning, you're astonished to see someone who looks exactly like you. It worked. I did it. The professor leaps to his feet. What do you mean? You ask. You've crossed into another universe. Or, he points to your double, you have. How could that be, you demand? It looks like our universe, except for this kid who looks like me and everybody going on red lights and stopping on green lights. (laughs) The professor is flushed with excitement. If you'd read the book, it would have explained all of these things. If, as I predicted, there is an infinite number of universes, then there must be some that correspond almost exactly to our own. The most boring alternate universe. Yeah, also the odds of being placed into any of those universes are infinitesimal, right? Like, the, the overwhelming majority of them are just pure chaos. Yeah, you'd think right. so. But if it's, if it's easier for the machine to generate access to a, the closest possible potential infinite uh, universe... Okay, okay. You know, that's pseudoscience I can believe in. I'll take it. Yeah, this is going to be a boring-ass book. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know, in this universe, there's two of you. Bye. All right, fuck. Somewhere on this planet is a dandelion with exactly one fewer seed yeah. than the other. <laughs> the only way to get home is for you to find it. Good luck. Bye. Bye. This phenomenon would occur in a parallel universe. Uh, then where's the other professor? Asks the other you. Uh, and then you turn to page 11 and somebody's standing behind you with a gun. That's probably not true, but it should be. It's you. <laughs> Obviously, says the professor, he didn't make it. (laughs) He says with no concern. Yeah, he pauses a moment. So how can we tell which of us is from the other universe, you ask? The professor pulls at his triangular beard. You should go outside and look for differences. No, that's correct. That's what you should do. 
Yeah, in the whole world. Are you familiar with the television program Sladers? That's what <laughs> we call like it that... in this universe. Go and take the pulse. Do people like Everybody Loves Raymond or dislike Everybody Loves Raymond? What do you remember of the Raymond liking? <laughs> um, to, to one of you, things will look exactly the same. To the other, well, the other will notice that some things are different because it's unlikely that the two universes are exactly the same. Do you want to come with me? Asks the other you. Can I kill you? <laughs> is this really happening or is the professor playing a trick on you? Yeah, okay. Maybe he's hypnotized you. Maybe. You were unconscious for a while. Yeah. If you decide to go exploring with the other you, uh, or if you decide that you're in another universe and that you should reactivate the hypo laser and try to get back to your own universe, <laughs> or if you decide that you're still in your own universe and that you'll just walk out and go home. I mean, it's going to take us six seasons to get back to our universe, so... Right. I say 56, we go exploring with our clone. Yeah, see how many crimes you can commit? Yeah. <laughs> blame on him? Yeah. yeah. I think we kill our clone, and then that way we get his powers. Like in Jet Li's The One. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I am not your bitch. You are all my bitches. You walk out the door with the other you. Sure, that, that was the last, you... sorry, I just, like, that was the last line. So the guy was, like, cranking out that screenplay, and he was like, okay, all right. I am not your bitch. You are all my bitches. I think Jet Li ablived it. Yeah. You think, that, it, you think that's an improv? I think he's been saying that to, like, everyone he meets. To, mm. to close out every film, uh, like, the uh, last day of filming every single time. No, just, like, every so, time he walks onto set, he just lets it be known that you're all my bitch. I'm not your bitch. <laughs> you're my bitches. And that's how he starts the day. Well, so here's the strength of Jet Li's appeal in the early 2000s, is that he was so good at martial arts movies that he did not even speak English and was fed all of his lines phonetically because like they were like, nobody else does fighting the way that we want Jet Li to do fighting. We'll take it. He doesn't have to speak English. It's the less important of the things he has to do. <laughs> like I don't, he, I think somebody else ad libbed it and like had him practice it over and over again. Like how, when you tell like your, like your baby cousin, how to say like the F word <laughs> and you're like, yes, he's doing it. We tell this man who only speaks Chinese at this point that like, no, you'll say this and you'll sound like a real badass. Mm-hmm. And it turns out to be like, it turns out to be really good, actually. I mean, he really sells it. I'm not going to lie. I love the one. You walk out the door. You figure you're going to be pretty good friends after you get through all the weird uh, sort of like sex stuff. After all, you're exactly alike. You even have the same name. Everything seems the same as it was back home, except one thing. Hold on. The sky is green. Shit. I'm afraid we're in your universe, you say. Maybe you'll know how, maybe you'll know better when we get home, your double replies. No, I'm pretty sure now, dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, Am I this man. stupid? Am I this much of a fucking moron? Yeah, let's find one more difference, huh? <laughs> the other you shows you the way home. The same way you've always gone home. Duh. In parentheses, it says. You find that the house looks exactly like your own, so you move in with the family of the other you, which is also just like your own. In time, they get used to having identical twins, and soon you find life very much the way it used to be. The sky is green. What are you doing? Go home. Yeah. What were we doing? Like, were we just having a regular day? We meet this guy, we get pulled into a hyperspace universe, and our parents never see us again? So the sky is green, that kind of implies that, like, the chemical makeup of air is different, right? Go on. Like, we should be dead as fuck. Mm. Maybe. Or maybe the professor hypnotized us into seeing the sky as green true yeah or maybe it's like when you're in a dark room for too long and you come out and everything's too bright you know 
We also don't know how much time passes in this paragraph. It's just like in time they get used to having identical twins. So enough time has passed for them to get used to having... 20 years later. <laughs> yeah. One day you get a phone call from Professor Zinka. Our universes will be in cosmic alignment only three hours from now, he says, knowing a lot more about this than he did before. It's been 20 years. <laughs> oh, true, true. If you wish, I can return you to your own universe. Just come to my laboratory at least a half hour ahead of time so I can adjust the equipment. You run to tell the other you what the professor has said. I want to go back, and yet I want to stay here, you say. What do you think I should do? I'm torn between those choices, too, answers the other you. Like, that's not an invitation, bud. What would you do if you were I, you ask? <laughs> I'd ask you to decide. Then decide for me. I'd decide to stay, if that's what you'd decide if you were me, says the other you. You don't want to hang out with you anymore. You go to the professor's <laughs> house. Yeah. You've forgotten how, much, how fucking exhausting it is talking to yourself. But seriously, though, like, if I had an identical copy of me, I'm pretty sure that would just be constant cringe 24 hours a day it's like yeah i'd want to move out immediately that's what i say that's what i sound like that's the that's the face i make sometimes just no i don't know we'd reminisce pretty hard about the first three seasons of buffy (laughs) (laughs) wow you have all the same opinions i do this is very gratifying i guess yeah i mean that's the principle of twitter right that seems to be pretty popular (laughs) uh the two of you talk and talk but you can't make up your mind nor can the other you in fact, you're still discussing the situation when the professor calls you to say that the time of cosmic alignment has passed. You've lost your only chance to return to your own universe. You live on, though, and very happily, on the other Earth, in the other universe, with the other you. The end. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Hmm. So how far back do we want to go? Let's take that book, right? Yeah, you want to read the book? All right. This may be the first time in the history of our stupid podcast that I've said, let's read a book. It's not. We say that like every week. Yeah, but only when I have to. No, we read. Well, I think what Mark is, is hinting oh, at is that I, we yeah, are yeah. reading books as adults. Yeah, but also there's like 25 minutes of banter that we cut down to 10. And then we're just like, are we going to read this fucking book? That's how every <laughs> podcast starts. Yeah. Back at home, you prop yourself up with some cushions and start to read the book. Imagine that you are absolutely flat and that you live on a flat surface. You read. You can travel backward and forward and sideways, but never up and down. This is like Blue by LFO, but with flat instead of blue. (laughs) Of course, in the real world, you can move backward and forward and up and down. But imagine still another way you could travel. A way we cannot even describe. If you could move in that way, you'd be in hyperspace. Moving in that way is dance. (laughs) Right? Uh, that's the fourth dimension. Fifth dimension? You look up for a moment and blink. This book is a little strange. You wonder whether it's worth reading. So meta. Do we keep reading or do we skip ahead? If we go, this is good. If you read on to the next page, turn to the next page. If you skip ahead, skip ahead to page 10. I like it. That's really good. That is really good. That's a good mechanic, Pack. Well done. What are we thinking? Let's skip ahead. Yeah, fuck it. I don't want a complete education. It was a good idea to turn to this page. You can tell you're in for plenty of action. And, and much to your surprise, the page is set up like a choose-your-own-adventure book. Registered trademark. Registered, registered trademark. Super registered. <laughs> oh, shit, guys. Imagine that your spacecraft has just entered hyperspace. You read. You streak through a black hole and instantly enter into another universe. Naked. 
<laughs> you have those are the rules. You're in a new state of existence where even the laws of physics are different. How many times are we going to get that sentence? Suddenly, three disc-shaped craft close in on you. Quickly, you activate the radio, uh, which is all like normal three-dimensional shit, <laughs> and shout into the transceiver. No fire. I come in friendship. Not just peace. Friendship. That's nice. Yeah. I come in sensuality. <laughs> I come in peckishness. I would like small snacks. I come in anxiety. <laughs> there, I did it again. You hear unintelligible squawks in reply. No chance for communication. They're not human. They must think you're a space invader, and there's no way you can tell them you're friendly. You've got to act fast. Do you open fire to show them you're friendly? If you hold your fire to try and maneuver safely past the oncoming craft, which is rude, or do you try to reverse your course and go back through the black hole? And these are all choices that we're making inside the book that we're reading? Yeah, these are choices inside the book Hyperspace, inside the book yeah. Hyperspace. If you choose to turn to the page that corresponds to opening fire, turn to page seven. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's open fire. Let's, let's kill some aliens. Yeah, okay. We came in friendship. They didn't want friendship, so we'll come with war. Piffed, piffed, piffed. <laughs> we will obliterate the enemy craft one by one. How strange that they didn't burst into flames or crash. They just disappeared. And now something even stranger is happening. A lush meadow is visible below, and your spacecraft is gently descending toward it, as if guided by an unseen hand. We did a lot of drugs. We have done so much <laughs> drugs. Warily, you open the canopy and step out. The ground is all pizza rolls. Three other spacecraft rest nearby. You have an eerie feeling that somehow they are the very same craft. The very same star craft. Brood War 64 the, the coolest one is Jim Rayner But everyone knows that So how about that guy Zeratul He's an alright dude Who's your favorite guy Mark, favorite guy in Starcraft Or girl I don't know Chris Tassadar Tassadar, yeah, because he sacrifices himself Tassadar's a good one, yeah Taro Tassadar Rip Who's your favorite my favorite? Yeah. Jim Rayner. Mm. Uh, early Jim Rayner. Like, but he's also the, like, the main character and the protagonist, so that's not really fair. That's like having Wolverine be your favorite X-Man. <laughs> um, I, I actually really like uh, Minsk. I really like Arturus Minsk. Oh, yeah. He most, was dope. Yeah. He's, he's a good like, villain. Yeah. He's a good villain. He's got a great voice. Yeah, he did. The alien pilots are standing nearby. Vaguely human-like, covered with short, sleek hair. They smile and wave their spindly arms. They're basically emaciated wookies. Yeah, they look gross. One of them steps forward. In his hands is a shiny black object shaped like a clam. It emits a loud musical tone as a computer voice speaks. Congratulations, you have won the battle. You have conquered our kingdom. You will be ruler of our world. Okay, I think I know what happened here. Uh, Ender's Game? No, Edward Packard brought a book to Chusco. They said... <laughs> this is fucking garbage. And so Edward Packard reworked it into a hypothetical book in a real uh -huh, book uh -huh. so that he wouldn't have to take credit and like have it stand on its own merits. Yeah. We are stuck in this book now. It's all italics and we're stuck in it. Yeah. Silently, they take you inside the cool cavernous building and set you upon a gold and silver throne. 
What do you mean, I'm ruler of this world? You finally ask. What would it mean in any universe? The tiny computer replies. In a bitchy voice. First of all, you must stay in this marble palace. Oh, I'm a prisoner. Okay. Each day you must shake hands with visiting lords and talk with them about nothing. (laughs) You must travel only in long black cars and you must never drive one yourself. You must marry a prince. You must pretend to be happy. You must always... I don't want to be ruler. You interrupt. <sighs> this Okay, new theory. Edward Packard's child wrote a book, and Edward Packard <laughs> wrapped it in his own book. Welcome to the broccoli kingdom, where dinner is only broccoli. <laughs> I don't want to be in the broccoli kingdom. <laughs> Too bad. Eat your broccoli. You get out your flamethrower and jump on your back of Godzilla, your best friend. <laughs> You're defending our patrol ships. You showed yourself to be a conqueror. Justice requires that you will be our ruler. No, please, you shout. But the aliens have already placed a heavy gold crown upon your head, which you know is inescapable. The end. Mm-hmm. Turn to page 112. What? Hang on, guys. The end. Turn to page 112. Oh, Fuck yeah. We're getting the frame narrative. Yeah. We're out of it. We're out of Man, it. Thanks. I almost missed that. Yeah. This book is, this is a good book. It's fucking weird. I mean, it's weird. I don't know if it's good. <laughs> you look up from the book. It might be worth reading it some more. No, On the other no. hand, maybe you should go back to the professor's house and see what he's up to. Anything but that. Yeah, it seems like the professor kind of lost the plot halfway through and started writing a choose your own adventure novel. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, okay. let's talk to the professor. We got to go back to page six, which I think. I Is think that a loop? Yeah, I think it's a loop. You point to the globe. It's a laser. So let's. Uh, OK, so this loop takes us back to the conversation we have with him about the hypo laser. So the book was just an interlude we could do, like, as a side quest before we get back on the main quest. Yeah. Okay. I don't think it helped us in our decisions. Yeah, it didn't help at all, but... Uh... So at, uh, it seems like we should make a different choice on page 15. Yeah, so this time we tell him not to turn on the laser? Yeah, so he'll still probably do it, right? But, like, Maybe. feel bad about it? We'll find a different way to get to hyperspace. Too late! The professor has pulled the lever and vanished. The machine must have worked. The professor wouldn't have disappeared unless he had entered hyperspace. Or vaporized himself with, like, a lot of electricity. Yeah. Uh, that in itself is a remarkable achievement. Either one, really, because he's just using, like, a standard 120-volt outlet. Like, how could he have produced enough electricity? You feel an irresistible urge to follow. It's risky, but... And get this sentence. Your taste for adventure is very strong. True. <laughs> like a raw clove of garlic. If you yield to the urge... Ooh. And pull the red lever. Ooh. If you avoid touching any of the controls and just edge yourself to enormous climax. Or if you pull the green lever, hoping it will reverse the process and bring the professor back. You know red and green are opposites on the color wheel. Yeah, let's match that green lever. Green lever. Yeah? Bring back the professor. Because you know it's, cause it's like if you pull the green lever, hoping something will happen, like that's going to fuck up catastrophically. Mm. Yeah, you're not a scientist. Right. Hoping you can bring the professor back, you pull down the green lever. Nothing happens. The more you think about it, the more you realize that your chances of making it safely to another universe are slim. Even the professor, with all of his mathematical knowledge, is unlikely to return. Like, the monkey we shot into space had no mathematical knowledge. What makes us think that the professor, just because of his math, he's not qualified to navigate hyperspace? The minutes tick away, you begin to lose hope, you wait a little longer, and then head for home. (laughs) Eh, It was fun, but, you know, he's weird. Uh, the sooner we leave the crime scene, the better. 
Yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> should not have put our fingerprints on that lever, honestly. Right, right, right. You rub everything with the tail of your shirt. But you barely reach the street before you hear an explosion behind you, which is very good. Which is also, on the page before, there's an explosion, which you wouldn't think would have anything to do with this, but it is behind us. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. You rush back, fearing the worst. Cautiously, you open the front door. The house smells like a burnt-out electrical circuit. The hypo laser is disintegrating into dust. Miraculously, Professor Zinka is still alive. Mm. Lying on the floor, his suit torn and covered with dust, he mumbles words you can't understand. Because you don't speak ancient Sumerian. And you're unfamiliar with Natalie and Bruglia's torn after 15 years. <laughs> he says it with a, with a thick Hungarian accent. Professor, are you all right? Slowly, he pulls himself to his feet, staring at you dumbly as if he doesn't understand you. He shakes his head again and again. Finally, he mumbles. I never thought I'd make you the bag. <laughs> Too bad your equipment's ruined, you say. The professor hobbles a few steps towards you. It's just as well. I wouldn't want to use it again. Uh, what I went through was too horrible <laughs> to describe. I can tell you this. Our universe is far from perfect, but I never want to leave it again. The end. Can you imagine how unsatisfying a path through that book it would have been if we hadn't gone through the spaceship interlude? Just be like, you go yeah. to the professor's house. He throws a lever, and then he disappears, and then he comes back at the end. Yeah. Um, if we want to give it another shot, I say we try and follow him. Okay. Red lever? Red lever. Red lever day? Uh-huh. Red lever, yellow lever. Yeah, so this is the path where we try to follow him into the universe that he just said was unspeakably horrible. Yeah. <laughs> the code red was normal Mountain Dew, and normal Mountain Dew was code red. No Baja Blast! Now what Code Red Mountain Dew? Thanks, Chris. Uh, There's an urge I haven't had since, like, high school. <laughs> you pull down on the red lever. In an instant, you can neither see, hear, taste, smell, nor feel anything. You are dead. This is Oblivion? <laughs> but we can still yeah. think, right? We can think our thoughts. We just... I guess. Oh, yeah, it's hell. I have no mouth, yeah. but I must scream. That's what we're doing. Right. That's about a computer. Somehow, the hypo laser failed to connect you with another universe. Somehow? Like, it's infinitely impossible. Is it countably infinitely impossible? I don't know. No one's ever explained it to me. I'm going to have to look up. The, and you know what happens when you go to Wikipedia to look for mathematical stuff? It's like a bunch of formulas that I don't understand. You want to go to simple Wikipedia, and I'm not even joking. Is that where I set my intelligence down to zero, and it just tells me like... In, in, I think it's like in, the 10,000 most common words, not unlike that okay. XKCD comic. Oh, right. The thing explainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're in a mode of hyperspace where you have no sensory impressions at all. It's as if you were floating in a tank of warm water in a dark, soundproof chamber where you don't even have to breathe. Has anybody ever done a sensory deprivation tank? No. I did. Ooh, tell us. It was really, it was really cool. It's like, a, it's like a spa with separate rooms. Like a, Everything's like divided, and you, you take off all your clothes in this ante room, and you go into this small room that has like this egg-shaped coffin-looking thing in it. Okay. And it has a foot of hypersalinated water. Right. And you get in, you close the lid, and then it's got like some ambient light so you can sort of situate yourself in essentially like an eight foot by eight foot bathtub full of like air temperature. It's not warm and it's not cold. It's like body temperature, air temperature, um, body temperature, hypersalinated water. And you just lay back and you float. And I had ear, I had earplugs in, so no water got in my ears. And like you go from, it's sort of novel and then it's boring. And then you think you fall asleep 
And then I think after probably about halfway through, I was in there for an hour and after about halfway through it, I was like super aware and super lucid. And it was a lot of like, um, mashing your eyes when you mash your eyes real bad and you see like a weird shape and pattern and color, like lots of color and sparks and weird stuff was like manifesting. It was really cool. I liked it a lot. And it was, did it stay cool for the remaining 30 minutes or did you get bored again? Uh, I don't know. It, it felt like it was over relatively soon after that. It felt like almost like I was like having a dream, like having like just a colors and shapes dream. Right. Sounds cool. It's very cool. It's very cool. I highly recommend it if you get a chance. Um, so that's what's happening to you right now. And it's pretty great. You feel oddly relaxed, uh, even though you should be scared. You like it, or rather you would like it if you didn't have to think about what could happen next. You might die instantly. Or you might drift like this forever. You're a Boltzmann brain. <laughs> Bol- a what? Is it a math thing? No, it's a, it's, a, it's a philosophy thought experiment thing, I guess. We should move on. All right. I just want to point out. I'm going to stop doing this. Okay, because like <laughs> when I make a Star Fox reference, I'm like, oh, you know, the boss from Star Fox. And everybody's like, okay, yeah, the boss from Star Fox. Okay, it's a thought experiment in which it's hypothesized that like the universe is so big and contains so much weird random shit that like uh, brains are just kind of popping into existence uh, because just like some atoms arrange themselves in a configuration that can function as a brain long enough to have like one single thought before it dissipates again. And this is just a thing that might be happening all the time. We have no way of knowing. Well, yeah, I mean, in, a, in an infinite universe, if infinite things are happening, right? There you go. Boltzmann brain. Uh, it's like that whale. Yeah, it's exactly like the whale, except... Yeah, I love that part. That's my favorite part. I want to excerpt it. I want to figure out how to teach it to, uh, to teach 10th graders about voice. Yeah. Stephen Fry reading it is just so fucking funny. <laughs> it's very good. He's like, I wonder if it will be my friend. <laughs> uh, okay. The first time I read that, I was actually pretty confused because there's this whole thing where like the whale is like what is this thing? I think I'll call it the ground, etc. Yeah. And I was like, well, this whale doesn't know what anything is, so I have no idea what this thing that he's calling the ground is. What's going right. on in the scene? <laughs> <laughs> but then the meta joke of that is like, he wouldn't even have the internal language to even think any of those thoughts. Yeah. It's a wonderful series. You might die instantly, or you might drift like this forever. Um, what's worse is that you have no control over your fate, nothing to decide, nothing to do. Turn to page 37. Man, so meta. It's pretty meta. Pretty meta. (laughs) (laughs) You hate it. Hate! With its filthy little pocketses. Well, at least you have an emotion. Hyperspace has not destroyed your spirit. It's corrupted it into the worst and darkest form. (laughs) Can emotion affect destiny? Perhaps it can. At least in hyperspace. (laughs) 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 <laughs> so good it's so abominable snowman god yeah you gave up all of your pizzas for this are you sure <sighs> that this is what you wanted <laughs> for some reason you feel certain that as long as you have hope you have a chance but all you have is hate <laughs> it's just hate uh <laughs> and suddenly you realize that you not only have a chance you have a choice it is a staggering choice with very few clues <laughs> You are trapped in the fourth dimension of hyperspace, a world or condition in which you cannot control your destiny, yet you sense that you have one power, the power to will yourself either forward into the fifth dimension or back into the third dimension from which you came. What does Edward Packard think the word dimension means? I don't know. I can't just like choose to go to the first or second dimension. They're not discrete (laughs) rooms in my house. 
you also well, apparently are going back into a frozen point in time uh seeing as you're skipping right past that fourth dimension which is oh so important guys fifth dimension fifth dimension oh, yeah duh yeah yeah fifth dimension we already come from that boring third dimension world that's we didn't we didn't start reading a book called normal space <laughs> <laughs> average space it's better to go forward than backward, you think, in your hate. And in a fraction of a microsecond, you are in advanced hyperspace. Oh, but I didn't pass regular hyperspace. Yeah, the fifth dimension. At first, a five-dimensional world seems much like a three-dimensional world. You have command of your senses again. In fact, you see that you're standing on solid ground. You start walking up a hill in order to get a better view. Soon you notice that as you climb, the ground sinks with each step so that you never get any higher than you were to begin with. Well, you can't get any higher than you are already. Yeah, <laughs> your blood toxicity level cannot take it. You try and fail again and again to get to higher ground, and you begin to panic. Now panic joins the only other emotion you feel, and you are a monster. <laughs> You're in hell. This is hell. But you keep walking and try to stay calm. You're hungry, and the grapevine is always out of reach, and you're thirsty, and the river shrinks from you. Then you see a figure in the distance, an old woman dressed in a long robe. She is walking toward you. Her skin is pale as water, and her shoulders are stooped, but her face is beautiful, and she walks with the grace of a dancer. As you stare, you realize that you can see right through her, as if you were looking at a double exposure— which is probably a film term from the 80s. The woman's voice is soft. You've come to the far reaches of hyperspace. Advanced hyperspace. Here, anything can happen. Things even stranger than in a book. You mean like in a dream? The woman smiles faintly. Stranger than in a dream. Look at page 79. So is this dimension... Like, a hundred square yards big? Yeah, it's just you and the old woman. It's like, I can't imagine any scenario where someone was like, where am I? And then like, oh, you're in the universe would be a good answer. Yeah, don't worry about it. You're here. Yeah, <laughs> King's Cross. King's Cross Station. Which, uh, which page are we going to? 79, guys. 79. Holy shit. 79. Yes, 79. Thank you, God. 79. Walking toward you is a man wearing sneakers, blue jeans, and a dark blue sweater. His brownish-gray hair is rumpled, and he looks a bit older than your father. As he approaches, you can't see anything strange about him. Who, who is he, you ask? And what's so strange about him? <laughs> the woman looks at you intently. He is Edward Packard. Holy shit! An author who writes choose-your-own-adventure books. You've got to be kidding. <laughs> She's not kidding, says Packard, who has come close enough to overhear you. Holding out a hand, he says, glad to meet you. Amazing. You shake hands and, and introduce yourself. Then you realize the absurdity <laughs> of the situation. Tell me, you demand, how can you be here? Uh, it's not really that surprising, he replies. Anything can happen in hyperspace. I really wish it was capital H to be just referring to the book. <laughs> <laughs> You think a moment and then say, well, since you're the author, can you do like a stranger than fiction thing and change the ending so I don't die of cancer? <laughs> Suddenly, the ground shakes as if an earthquake were beginning. Cracks will appear all around us soon, says Packard. You'll have to do everything you can to avoid them. Sure enough, cracks begin to open up around you. 
You scramble to avoid falling in. The ground rumbles like thunder. For some reason, none of the cracks are opening up around Packard. <laughs> he, seems, he seems perfectly safe. He's... Is there a choice soon? <laughs> you ask. You're almost out of breath. Oh, yes, Packard yells, for by now he has to shout to be heard. Here's the choice. Do you decide to jump into a big crack or try to keep from falling? Jump? Are you crazy? You yell back. It might be the only way of getting out of here, Packard answers. <laughs> Casually as fuck. Yeah. What do you mean might? When's the deadline for this fucking book? <laughs> Packard starts to answer. But suddenly a great crack opens under him. <laughs> he cries as he disappears into the abyss. What kind of sick man writes his own grisly death into a children's book? <laughs> right? Do you? Jump into one of the big cracks, like he sort of foreshadowed and we should probably do using our adult brains. Or do you try to keep and follow, from falling through them? Well, let's trust the guy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to live on this world. <laughs> There's not gonna, it's not going to be around much longer to live through. This is after Frieza has blasted the core of the planet. I would argue that the only good part of a world is that it doesn't crack apart into a trillion pieces. <laughs> and this one mm -hmm. isn't doing it. So yeah, we got to find the next one. You decide to jump into one of the big cracks. It occurs to you that Packard must have been able to survive, or else he wouldn't have been able to write the book, capital H, Hyperspace. God, this is amazing. <laughs> you stare into one of the bottomless cracks opening almost beneath your feet. It hardly seems to offer much hope, but sometimes you just have to make a leap of faith. He says, tipping his hand on how he sometimes makes the right decision be, like, sort of arbitrary. Mm -hmm. But the moment you jump, you regret it. Clouds of white vapor rise up all around you as you fall. There's no way of telling how, how far you'll fall. Like, it fucking matters. You jumped into a deep hole like you, that you made your bed. Yeah. More than 20 feet, you dead. It's like that. Remember Journey to the Center of the Earth where it's like, do you keep falling through the hole or try to stop falling through the hole? And it's like, <laughs> motherfucker, if that was an option, I just wouldn't be falling through the hole. It's not how gravity works, my dudes. It is in hyperspace. It is. Anything can happen in the fifth dimension. Then you see a human form hurtling through the mists beneath you. It's, you're just falling through space as fast as you can. And like Gandalf meets the Balrog, uh -huh, uh -huh. falling through the middle of the mountain, you meet up with Packard. You, you flatten your body to be more aerodynamic so you can catch up to him yeah. and just strangle the life out of him as you tumble <laughs> toward the center of the planet. You'll both die, but God damn it, he'll die first. That's right. <laughs> and looking into your eyes as he does. <laughs> Will I make it? You shout. Sorry, but I can't remember how this ends. He yells back. You start to answer, but a cloud of vapor engulfs you. You barely have enough strength to breathe. So many drugs. <laughs> <laughs> You're still alive. You can wiggle your toes and blink your eyes. You're on the planet Earth, but you feel as if you have arrived here for the first time. Uh, you can see everything more clearly now. You notice the colors, the shades of light, the sounds of voices, human faces... You take in the excitement, boredom, pleasure, worry, and joy of everyone around you. And you see the sky, the trees, the angles and lines made by familiar objects. You notice the sunlight, a plane droning overhead. You feel the cool breeze blowing. It's good to be back in your own universe. After all, it's home. The end. P.S. Saddam Hussein is still alive in this one. Y'all gotta fix that problem. Saddam Hussein's still out there! Man, this is the... This is maybe my new favorite book. Yeah, dude, this book fucking owns. This is, I'm glad we stuck with it. This is incredible. Yeah. I don't know what to say. It's, this was just very... This, uh... He, man, he really went for it. He really... 
pulled out all the stops. I don't know that you can appreciate this book. You can't appreciate this book fully until you've read like a bunch of really shitty ones. Though. <laughs> right. Yeah. Until you've done like 50 episodes of an underappreciated podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Booze Your Own Adventure, a podcast where three fucking heroes. <laughs> yeah. Three champions of literacy really just sort of win at books. Thanklessly. <laughs> Uh, took two tries to get it right, but, you know, stick with it. Mm. Learned one thing. This is amazing. This is, um, <laughs> if, if this was Sliders, this is the universe that I would stay in. <laughs> <laughs> do they decide, does any of them decide to do that at any point where it's like, no, nah, I'm just going to stay on the Wild West one. It's pretty I cool. think some of them do because they do have like the cast changes out from time to time. Yeah. But I, I mean, I didn't watch the whole show start to finish. I do remember an episode where they thought. Whatever, and he gave him the code. Is it really our universe or not? And to test it, shit, this fence door. Try it real quick, and they go to open it. And it doesn't. And then they all slide off, and then like seconds later, hit. Finally, fixed that door. Did you hear something? <laughs> it, was, it was great. That's good. We got to cut that because it took me like three minutes to tell that story. But anyways. And it's a supreme spoiler for Sliders. Like you just have to beep it for three minutes. No one cares about Sliders. Uh, spoilers. It got canceled halfway through. So uh, Sliders? A satisfying, yeah, a satisfying narrative arc it doesn't have. Okay. How, how about this? We have, and I don't know how Sliders ended, um, but I do know Jet Li's the one. We have... <laughs> We have a budget of, let's say, $1,500. We can find the, we'll, we'll shoot it on iPhones. Can we make a five-minute short that ties the, clo- the, the abrupt close of sliders to the multiverse uh, cop drama that is Jet Li's The One? Well, we'd have to get Jet Li. No, 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 we, we don't have to get Jet Li. It could be, it could be totally... He's too busy making no- an entire world of, of prison people his bitches, you know? <laughs> right, like- he's, yeah, uh, uh, what's his name? You law you'll never find you law again. He exists on the planet. I want to say like Tartarus or something like really God of Warish. Erewhon. Erewhon. Yeah. <laughs> Magnet boots. <laughs> Fuck, this book is so good. Oh, oh, man. Okay. So I actually think a kind of good idea for a podcast or a YouTube series or something would be to find shows that did not get a successful ending and, this, and give them a 10 minute wrap up successful ending. And that would just be your thing. That'd be so much groundwork. For 10 minutes of a show. Especially because, like, uh, your audience in general can't really appreciate most episodes of your show, right? Right. Because they're way too specific for a series that they didn't watch because they heard they were canceled halfway through. It's not a bad idea. I, I also like the idea of, uh, we, uh, like, uh, writing short scenes that would transition between two pieces that don't belong together. Mm. Yeah, that's cool, too. Like, how do, we get from, how do we get from the end of Ocean's Eleven to the beginning of Starship Troopers? I think this about wraps it up for this week here on Booze Your Own Adventure. Um, we find, guys, we finally got to meet Edward Packard. He was everything that I hoped he would be. Yeah. Especially when he was falling down that Balrog hole. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Non-committal. Menacing. Wearing a sweater. <laughs> All the things we knew to be true. Um, so until next time, I've been Ian. I've been Chris. And I've been Edward Packard. <laughs> Not true. Mark's a liar now, too, because I was Mark. No, this is Edward Packard. Oh God, Chris! What do you think's happened to our friend Mark? We need to go check. We need to go check where Edward Packard is buried because I think there's <laughs> been a devil's bargain done. 
And until next time, remember, always choose responsibly. Mark, we're coming for you. Mark. Don't worry about it. Your friend is fine. I think if I woke up and it still smelled like chili, the psychology of that would throw me off. You'd have some chili dreams. <laughs>